Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 77. I'm Mo, I'm here with Owen Alice. How are you guys? Hey guys. Hey. You good? No. No. Owen's <laughs> <laughs> not feeling very well. A bit ill. What's going on, Owen? Okay. I don't know. I got bitten by an insect and I'm a bit ill and it could are you be... you okay? It could be the same thing or it could be not. But do you know what will heal me? What? Metal. Yeah. Elle <laughs> literally came all the way in across London just to do the podcast today. What a fucking warrior. So I love metal. You people better appreciate this shit. It's the kind of stuff we do for you. Uh, it's a big, big uh, episode this week. We're going to be reviewing the Bloodstock Festival, all the best and worst and middleest things that we saw across the weekend. Uh, hell of a weekend, as always, at Bloodstock. Uh, Define the elements and all that. It was It was some crazy shit going on. Um, we've got some big news in the metal world this week as well. But before all of that, before all of that, I said at the end of last uh, week's episode that the next issue of Metal Hammer was going to be a big one, and I was not joking. This is a cover 13 years in the making because for the first time in over a decade, Tool are back on the cover of Metal Hammer. How crazy is it's that? It's actually wow. happening. It's so crazy. It's I was, been such a long time. It's so mad, isn't it? I was saying to um, our art editor, Louise, today that when I first joined Metal Hammer, we were talking about that, that that might be the year that we finally get to do a tool cover and the album will come and everything. And that was eight years ago. And wow. now it's finally happening. Yeah, PS, I I'm mean, old. what are people going to do for memes now? I know. What memes are people going to Tool Watch has no purpose. <laughs> it's been, it's been uh, abandoned and retired. Uh, so yeah, we have Tool on the front cover of Metal Hammer for the first time in fucking years, and it's very exciting. Uh, Eleanor actually spoke to the band about the new album for Inoculum, the absolute craziness that went into making it, the reason it took 13 fucking years to get here, amongst other things. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about that without telling us what's in the interview so that people <laughs> can go and read it? Because it is really, really fucking good. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um don't know how far deep to go down the tool hole here but no we um we obviously got to chat to them um had our interviews arranged are we should i talk more about that yeah you can talk about well because there was you know they, they were quite open about some of the drama in the band quite the, some of the interesting dynamics and the relationships in the band that meant it took that little bit longer didn't shy away from saying it got a bit hectic and stressful sometimes and you know there was a lot there was a lot going on there yeah they were very honest i mean we chatted a bit about just kind of um things they spoke about publicly like that have held them up like the very ongoing lawsuit they had which was lasting for a while and kind of taking away from um sort of the making art part of being in a band they had uh children as well a couple of members had kids and you know that kind of held things back a bit they also just take a really really long time to write and if you're a fan of tool you'll know all about how um certain members have very perfectionist streak running through them and have to get everything right and it you know so there's the four of them making music together it's actually Maynard doesn't come in until later in the process with the lyrics when the tracks are basically finished but the other three guys get in the rehearsal room which is the same rehearsal room that they've had for the last 20 years or so started out as Danny's home slash practice space and has been the band's space ever since they get in there they thresh it out they have arguments they butt heads they refine things they try and make things as good as they can be and that's where the magic happens i thought it was really interesting as well how they were um they were quite open about 
the pressures that were on them because with a band like Tool, you just think they don't care. Like they're just doing what they want to do and everyone else be damned. But, you know, they were talking about things like Maynard getting death threats and like yeah, the immense absolutely. like shittiness from the, well, the rock that's... community towards them and how that played on their worries about living up to expectation and all this kind of stuff. And that, that's all one of my favorite bits of the piece because I was very surprised to see them be so candid about that. Yeah, I think it's because uh, people don't always know that Maynard is sort of the last piece of the musical puzzle and they somehow because he's the public figure they hold him responsible for everything and they see him as kind of the source of tools problems which is a strange way to look at things and he's just been going off and doing solo projects working on his wine all that kind of thing kind of waiting for the other guys to do their thing and yeah he's caught a lot of flack from people asking over and over again when the tool record is he's had some threats and so that's something they've had to deal with as well. And obviously they know there's a huge weight of expectation on this record after 13 years and after all these memes and after people talking about it. And so it was interesting to see them and how they reacted to that. And also just kind of, you know, they're this mega band. They can sell out arenas. They're massively well known. But there is still this kind of fear of, you know, what if it doesn't land sort of thing, which I think some of them have experienced to various degrees and perhaps some of them not, but there's definitely, there's definitely been a bit of uncertainty, I think, about coming back and how it'll be received, even though they are this huge, huge band. And it was nice to hear them, that, you know, they were very open and very honest just about who they are and, and what they've done. They didn't come across like, you know, unreachable megastars. Aloof. They came across like people, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, so it's a it's an awesome read, and uh, um, you know, just just about it's hard to say. I mean, it's worth the thirteen year wait, but it's it's definitely worth the wait. This piece, um, and because you know we didn't want to put Tool on the cover the first time in so long and not making a especially big fuss about it. Uh, if you pick up the uh, the new issue of Metal Hammer online right now, if you go to tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer. That's tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer. You can pick up the new issue and it comes with an exclusive 16 page bonus tool magazine with loads of extra stuff on there. We go on a deep dive into the early days of tool. We count down their greatest ever tracks. Um, there's loads of shit going on. It's wicked. They're, 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 we go inside the story of the prison sex video, which is a very big and impactful moment for them. Um, and also in the main feature itself, we also talked to Alex Gray, who is a longtime tool um, artist collaborator which is yeah, awesome loads of people in that main feature as well there's sylvia massey who produced their first couple of records there is the publicist for tool in the early days there's the guy who got them signed to the record label all kinds of people in there telling the story of those early days which you know if you're a tool fan maybe you know maybe you don't know if you've never heard of them before it's an introduction to the band that you're about to hear everywhere over the next few years it is an absolute encyclopedia of all things it tool is, in this a issue yeah. we don't do things by half here at metal hammer so yeah tool are back the album's imminent end of this month so to get yourself even more psyched for it pick up the new issue of metal hammer it's in uk shops now and by now i mean thursday if you're listening to this uh, if you're listening internationally and you want to get a hold of it head over to tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer pick it up right now oh and i also should say a a uh, there's also, uh, because we've got a really cool Kill Switch Engage feature in there in the um, issue as well, where we go hiking with Jesse Leach on a very spiritual little journey. Uh, we look inside 
Um, the story of The Real Thing by Faith No More, which turns 30 this year, unbelievably. Mm. We've got brand new interviews with the likes of Volbeat, Three Teeth, Sacred Reich, who are back and kicking ass again. Uh, we look inside the very strange reunion of Static X and what the fuck's going on there. We sent Metal Hammer legend Dom Lawson off to Indonesia for a week to live inside what's pretty much the world's most um, intense and interesting metal scene right now. So that's really cool. Uh, and as well as that aforementioned bonus tool magazine, we've also got an exclusive Killswitch Engage art print to celebrate the new album designed by Mike D from the actual band. How cool is that? And we've got a thrash metal sticker set because what's more thrash metal than stickers? So we've got Megadeth stickers in there, uh, Anthrax, Power Trip, various others. It is super thrashy and stickery. I'm going to so. stick them everywhere, Merlin. Absolutely. Bloody everywhere. There's so much crazy stuff, though. Like when you were listing it, all the memories were coming back. There's all kinds of things in there that you wouldn't expect. There is snake soup. There are lizard people. Yeah. There's it's all across different features, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Loads of crazy stuff. Oh, like uh, birds that talk to people. That's a thing as well. Yeah, this is all inside the magazine. This isn't some strange little ill <laughs> hallucination <laughs> that Elle's having. <laughs> it sounds like a fever a snake dream. soup and lizard people and talking birds. <laughs> help. Help um, me. There was actually snake soup, talking birds and lizard people in there. I'm not making it up. But wow. that is actually probably also a representation of my fever dreams right now so <laughs> so yeah uh, if you're in the uk go pick it up in shops if you want to find it and you're in the uk and you're not sure where your nearest shop is you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash find hammer to work out where your nearest or uh stock in the maggots so there How you do I find go it? i've just forgotten tinyurl.com forward slash find hammer forward slash buy hammer to buy it straight online shipping internationally god that's got to do it for the plugs this week <laughs> um what's going on in the news this week slipknot could be about to do something big alice go on you tell us the news um they're on course to have a uk number one how amazing is this this is big news I know the charts don't mean as much as they used to but they still do mean something and getting a number one is a thing. Especially when you're knocking fucking Ed Sheeran off the top. Especially as when you're knocking Take Ed that, Sheeran beige. off the top. Take that, beige. Here's some <laughs> slipknot. <laughs> he's more red than beige. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's a cheap, that was a cheap shot. Stick for like fellow redheads or something. You're not redhead. Well, I've, no, I'm pink. Dyed it pink. That doesn't count. <laughs> come on. Don't reappropriate redheadedness for your own needs, Al. It was red at some point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah Slipknot so could cool. be on course for a UK number one with new album We Are Not Your Kind, which is so, so good. Really say, is just seems to be universally well received as well, which is great. What do we all think of the record? Because we haven't actually spoken about that. I kind of briefly blabbed about it either last week or the week before, but yeah, I think it's fucking great. I think it's so expansive. I love the detours it goes on. Um, I think that Nero Fort is the bounciest and most um, shamelessly new metal track they've written in about 20 years, which I say with absolute love because it's awesome. I think um, Solway Firth is, I said to someone today, I think it's the best one they've written full stop since Iowa. It's just mm. relentlessly good. Um, Spiders is great, which I know Al likes, as I said you You just would. mentioned all my favourite songs from the record, like Solway Firth at the end. You can't play anything else after that because it sounds pathetic. After you've just listened to Solway first, and it's just like... <laughs> it's the best, it's best thing at the end as well. It's when it kicks up into that extra, like... It's almost like that arch enemy kind of death metally midsection when it goes... And it just speeds up suddenly. Yeah, it's just yeah, so yeah. It good. Just, it, it doesn't like stop. A, like a freight train. <laughs> I'm ill. I'm That's sorry. Fine. So, yeah, I love it. Have you listened to it, Alice? Amazing. Yeah. Thoughts? Um... I don't really have many. I think wow. I gave some of them to. Incisive. Um, I gave some of them to the online feature. 
some of my thoughts. That is true. We did actually do a full track by track uh, breakdown of the album, which you can check out at metalhammer.com right now. We all kind of dived in on it and gave our opinions of the songs across. So the Alice album, is so going to make you out. go and read her opinion instead yes. online. Yes. Quite. <laughs> um, this is very cool. This cradle news that's yeah. going on. Cradle of Filth have announced a special show celebrating Cruelty and the Beast, which turned 20 last year. They're going to play the album in full at London Palladium on October the 19th. That's mad. That's going to be so good. That album in that surrounding is going to be great as yeah, well. Yeah, super theatrical. Big Art Cradle of Filth. A, a British metal institution. Oh, yeah, completely. It's really hard to imagine life without them. They've just been there forever. Before I even really knew what metal was, I knew what Cradle of Filth were. Yeah, I mean, they were one of the first extreme metal bands I'd ever heard of. Mm, yeah, and I the thing is quite similar for a lot of um, especially British metal fans getting into that music at the turn of the millennium because they were just almost like a buzzword for kind of like north, the naughtier, like, sat- I mean, obviously mm. they're not satanic, but if like everyone thought they were satanic and they yeah. thought they were part of this kind of weird otherness in the metal scene that you knew existed, but you didn't really tap into. I think and the first time I ever heard of them was when I saw the film, actually, Cradle of Fear. Cradle of Fear. Did you ever see that? Yes. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the first thing I ever saw of them. So yeah, it was already kind of like contraband goods by the time I even actually checked out their music. I remember going to Camden and going to some of the record shops and like you walk down into the basement, they just had loads and loads of T-shirts and you dig through all the T-shirts and all the like, like you said, sort of the naughtiest ones would be Cradle of Filth. Yeah. Mm. Like the Jesus is a Cuncher or like yeah. there'd be a nun a or classic. something. And you'd just be like, what is this? I don't really know what I'm doing here. I saw um, Alice actually uh, identified one of the other T-shirts for me. I saw a couple walking along at Bloodstock um, and one of them had the Jesus as a cunt T-shirt and the other one had a T-shirt with a slogan on the back just said, nailed through her cunt. (laughs) Just like, sure. We're not Glastonbury kids. And that was who, Alice? Aborted. Aborted, obviously. (laughs) So there we go. Uh, Baby Metal have announced some special guest new stars for new, new stars some special guest stars for new album Metal Galaxy that's coming out on October 11th it just never stops this year no it's amazing isn't it it's so many big bands going thing. on my goodness me um, what, we were just talking about how to uh, pronounce his name and you, <laughs> it threw me because I double thought about <laughs> I it I was gonna, wondering if you were going to say it or if you were going to leave it up to me <laughs> uh, I think Joaquin Broaden <laughs> From Sabaton is going to be on the new Baby Metal album, which is really interesting. And Alyssa White Glue from Arch Enemy is also going to be on it. The reason we're laughing about Joaquim is because uh, I, I did a... I did I Well, I interviewed him at Bloodstock for an audio thing that's going to be coming out soon. And I asked him how to pronounce it. And I said, is, is it Joaquim? And he said, sure. So I think that counts. So unless he's like had me on like an idiot, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I don't know. I mean, okay. He really didn't seem to care. If you've spoken to him, then that's fine. We'll go with that. I've got the Joaquin Seal approval. It would make more sense. Like, Oh, no, it definitely would. I've just heard it said. I thought it was that for ages, but then I've heard it said Joachim loads since then. And I was like, oh, no, I said it wrong. I thought I was saying it wrong all the time. And it was that. Joachim Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, so yeah go to metalhammer.com now to check out the full list of names of everyone that's on the new baby metal album very cool that they're uh, reaching out to some of their buds from around the metal world that is really cool because you know they are have always done the thing where they're like we're a metal band we're a metal band we're a metal band and they don't have to justify it because you know they've got the cami band behind them and they sound really heavy but it's really cool they got a couple of other people from the scene just to kind of come in and 
I don't know. It's, just, it's good, isn't it? People collaborating across the, the world. The what a lovely world. time. Yeah. A lovely time. And more evidence that, you know, um, if you don't like baby metal, that's fine. But they absolutely belong in our world because, you know, people actually in successful metal bands <laughs> and embracing them. So uh, they got a photo with Rob Halford about three years ago. They're, they're long uh, It's more metal than anyone sorted. I know. Exactly. Um, right. As I look at the mud from the festival that is still on my converse as we speak. <laughs> I mean, what is wrong with you? I haven't had time to clean them off. Okay. Um, and I didn't get wellies like an idiot. And we may have had a bit of an incident with me having a tantrum because I couldn't get wellies in time to get to the <laughs> festival. And that didn't really matter anyway. Uh, Bloodstock happened <laughs> this weekend. Um, right. Where should we start with this? We got on site Friday, so we didn't get to see Rotting Christ um, kind of. Head, I guess you could say headlining the Thursday, really, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, all signs pointed to it being very good. Spoke to a couple of people that were there and said it was awesome. Uh, very interested in the idea of them booking more established metal bands for the Thursday. I wonder if they are going to try and uh, evolve the festival into feeling more like a full four-day event or a proper like f- three-and-a-half-day event, let's say. Could be mm. quite interesting. Um, Who did you see first, Merlin? Well, so we got on site, what time? About, oh no, I got on site first, didn't I? Yeah. I got on site about, uh, just in time to catch Metal Church. Yeah, I got on site about half one um, on the Friday and I saw Metal Church first, who I thought were very cool, kind of veteran American heavy metal band. Um, Well, I'd say, I was going to say it's not really my thing. I'm not massively into them personally, but I think that kind of established straight up no nonsense heavy bloody metal um in the mid-afternoon people are just starting to crack open the beers and all that i think that's kind of a lot of what bloodstock is built on you know you won't get metal church playing the main stage of many major european festivals and i think it's really cool that a band who have really paid their dues and been important to the scene gets their moment to you know, kick some ass and, and draw a decent crowd and cool. remind everyone what they're all about. And I think it went down rather splendidly. So that was really cool. Um, I saw some of, uh, no, I saw all of Soulfly. I thought they were decent. Uh, I would have loved to have seen them. Decent. I didn't go on the Friday, so I can't comment on any of these bands, but it's been a while since I've seen Soulfly and I really just think they're really fun. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, decent, I thought they were though, cool. just didn't quite feel it. They're, um, yeah, they were decent. They were good. I think they they did a job. They turned up, played. Um, yeah, they're all right. Like you know, I've, like, I've it's been a while since I've seen Max Cavalera front anything live that absolutely smashed it. Mm. Um, but you know, some of the songs are so good that you could just, they just get into it anyway. Yeah, they yeah. get into it. People got excited about it. People were jumping around and moshing a bit. Um, I thought it was really cool. Uh, yeah, I had a good time. I think it was around that time. Was it that time or was it? Oh, no, it was after Metal. Yeah, it was between Metal Church and Soulfly where the biggest storm that's ever happened inside the space of two minutes hit Bloodstock and just fucked the site up for the rest of the really? day. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like everything was fine. It was really lovely and sunny when we got into site. Um, I came down with uh, Metal Hammer writer Stephen Hill um, and uh, it was all looking fine. And then out of nowhere, it just like opened and it was just 
fucking nuts. I, I don't think I've ever seen rain that hard at a festival before. And I it was read, all in the space of about, let's say, 10 minutes or so. I read somewhere online that there were machines pumping water out the site. Is that a thing? I I, don't, I would assume so because, I mean, the, fr- the front of the pressure, press area got flooded. There was water coming in down the back side. I saw someone saying their gear started to get a bit wet and stuff, which they sorted out quite quickly. But um, it, w- it was mad. It, um, and... Uh, it did. It, it. I think pretty much all the mud that was on site that whole weekend, of which there wasn't actually that much in the end, by the way, no. despite what my trainers look like. Um, pretty much all of it just came from that like ten minutes where it just went biblical. So that was fun. Um, but after that, uh, Children of Bodom came on the main stage. I saw a bit of them, and then I went over to see uh, this. But um, yeah, Bodom were fine again. They were cool. Um, I thought a bit tighter than they have been. Sometimes they can be a little bit ramshackle. You know, the, the music's really fast and shreddy and chaotic. And I think sometimes if they're not on it, it can come off the rails a little bit live. But I thought they were really held it together and they are really good fun. Um, I think them and Soulfly, again, both bands that have really paid their dues in the metal scene and deserve to be on the main stage of a festival. And I'm glad that Bloodstock is here to kind of put them on that platform because they're both vitally important bands for certain parts of the metal scene across the 90s and 21st century. Um, so yeah, Bottom got a great crowd. That was cool. Um, and then I went inside to see the Sophie tent, the Sophie Lancaster stage to see Charybdis, who are a really cool UK, uh, London-based um, death metal band. They've been they've been around for a while. I think they've been around for the better part of 10 years now, but they're definitely one of the better bands from the death metal scene to emerge from London in that time. Um, and they, they were fucking great. They were so tight. They were so heavy, um, really precise and urgent. Um, I was a bit bummed out that they didn't have a bigger crowd, actually. I don't know if that's because Bodham were on the main stage and if you like kind of death-ish metal, you might be more inclined to go see them. But um, it was really sparse at first. It did fill out a little bit by the end, but I'd really... Charybdis feel like they deserve a slightly bigger crowd than they got, in my opinion, because they've been around a while and they're great. So if they happen to be playing the U, go see them because they're a great death metal band um, and they deserve your support. So they're really good. Um... And then there was Tesseract, which is interesting. Did you, did you see? Did you see anyone in this time on the Friday? I saw Alice, a bit of Tesseract. What did you think of them? You're not into them, right? Yeah, I'm not really like into tech metal, so like I've seen Tesseract before, and I just don't really. I can't really talk about it because I just don't really get it. I suppose. Well, it's try. Just, it's like, <laughs> well, like I saw like a tiny bit of it because I was also sorting out, um, something that I was doing. Which uh, was that? You could, can you can really talk about that yet or not? Um, that it's not come in yet, but there will be um, like a special video that we've we've done. Two special videos actually with some of the bands from Bloodstock, which are quite cool. Um, Watch out on metalhammer.com for that. Yep. So I was... So as someone who doesn't like tech metal and is very much a metal head and is watching this gent band play the main stage of Bloodstock... How did you feel it kind of went and did it do anything to sway you over or? Um, well, I only caught like a bit of it from the side of the stage. Side stage? No, like from the side because where I was was sort of like beside the stage and it was really loud. But um, I mean, they're always like really good at sort of commanding the crowd because they, even though it, it's not... It's not like really, really heavy, heavy, but it's like it's really loud and like technical, obviously. And like the vocalist is really like 
loud and you know so it, it does kind of fill the festival they're quite good at festivals um so yeah i mean it seemed the crowd was quite large do you feel like this kind of stuff belongs at bloodstock because i did feel like the crowd was quite bemused at first for like the first 15 minutes um, or so yeah i think so i mean it's a side of metal that should be represented at bloodstock i suppose I thought I thought they were really good. Um, I actually they had this big, kind of kaleidoscopic tesseract <laughs> on, on the banner on the backdrop, um, and it was really cool because when it flapped in the wind, it actually looked like it was a screen, like moving visuals, which I actually thought it was at first. I was like, oh my god, they've got a screen with them. That's mad. Mm. Um, and yeah, I thought it was cool. I think they definitely would have won over a few new fans. Uh, mm. Anyone who appreciates Meshuggah probably could have found a lot to enjoy in what they were doing. Um, I think there was a bit of a disconnecting kind of like there's nothing contrived about Tesseract on stage, but like Dan's got these almost like semi rehearsed dance moves sometimes when he kind of go like, duh, 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 duh. Mm. like almost like what um, Joaquin does with uh, Sabaton. Where he's like, duh, 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 duh. he's like pulling his arms in a certain, I know people can't see what I'm doing. I'm kind of pulling my arms in like semi dance move thing. Um, and I think that looks quite weird if you haven't got a crowd in front of you who are really into it and are kind of picking up the atmosphere with you. Um, but people definitely seemed to warm to them by the end. And I think once people kind of understood what it was and they kind of zoned into that, like, post 6 p.m., like, everyone's a little bit day drunk and there's this kind of, like, heavy kind of dreamy music just waving over the main stage area. Um, I think people kind of dug it by the end. And I, and I would hope that that would show that... Um, you know, they deserve their chances on big and better and bigger stages, I think. I'm really good. I missed mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Because I actually like them. Yes, so. you do. Well, I like Tesseract <laughs> as well. And actually, uh, I saw James from the band afterwards and he did make the point that Bloodstock were the first ever festival to give them a chance. And this is back when Abby was their singer. So this is like pre-Dan. It's like a decade years. ago or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, literally. Um, uh, so, you know, they've always been a part of the festival. So it's cool to see Bloodstock honour that. Um... Du, 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 du. what else was there power wolf <laughs> i was really excited because merlin sent me a clip of power wolf i was at a family i sent wedding. you a clip of resurrection by erection <laughs> yeah, it which a lot i've got to say a lot of people in that crowd knew the words too <laughs> like they are definitely a band that have a lot of fans in, For those in our who world don't know those words perhaps you should just say them well, I'll raise your phallus to the sky and you'll never die. Yeah. So um, I, th I think we've done Powerwolf on here before, but this is basically a super cheesy, uh, epic power metal band from Germany. Germany, right? I'm going with Germany. So. Um, someone look, look that up while I'm talking so that we don't interrupt the, my flawless flow. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and they're all like corpse painted up, uh, even though their music isn't, extreme or black metal-y in the slightest and there's this really like spinal tap moment before they came on stage because the winds were really bad all weekend as well and they had this really big quite impressive stage set up with uh like kind of medieval -y walls and castle fronts and gargoyles and all that kind of stuff and one of the walls just came flying over and like, i think a bit of it broke off when the oh no. <laughs> before they came on and all the crowd kind of went Wee! <laughs> obviously because we're dickheads in england um and so, yeah, it was all a little bit spinal tap for a moment there. But then they came on, they rocked it. They got a really big crowd. People were loving it. 
Um, people were singing along to loads of the words. They had like a bit, little bit of pyro, lots of smoke and all that kind of stuff. So that went down quite well. Um, so yeah, they went down splendidly. What I was think. the keyboardist doing? Oh yeah, the keyboardist. Fault he kept Maria. on running up and just like every time that the front man was like, uh, you know, just addressing the crowd or whatever, he'd run up and kind of like be a mime behind him going, ooh, hello, yeah, <laughs> just like doing <laughs> shit in the background. Like, come on, mate, sit down. He's uh, the comedian. And he loves it, doesn't he? Um, and then, of course, it was time for Sabaton. Uh, so I made a point in the review I wrote for Metal Hammer um, that basically said the discussion and discourse around Bloodstock has all been about Parkway. It's all been about should Parkway headline, should they be there? What does this mean for their career? Blah, 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 blah. Sabaton kind of have gone under the radar as a Bloodstock headliner because of that. But I think it's important to recognize that it, a Swedish power metal band if you'd strip away everything else about them, is headlining the most significant pure metal festival in the UK. Um, it's a really big deal. And the fact that they're doing Wembley Arena next year shows that it's not kind of a one-off thing and they're going to fizzle out. Like They are very much a band that's on an ascent. Um, so I was really interested to see how they how they went down. And I thought like I thought they went down well. I thought they were received really well. They got a, They had a really big crowd, to be fair. Um, mm -hmm. especially given that it started raining for points during the set. So that can always affect whether people are willing to see it out or not. Um, I, I never thought I'd say this, but I I found that the set list didn't have as many songs that I wanted in it. So like, oh, it sounds like a stupid thing to say because all Sabaton songs are basically the same, but I really missed some of the Primo Victoria cuts. I would have liked to hear more stuff from the Art of War as well. Um, they had a few new songs in there that sounded all right, though, and like the big ones like um, Ghost Division and uh, Oh God, what's it called? Let me just look it up. One of the ones off the new one that basically sounds like Happy Hardcore with a riff in it. You haven't even mentioned if they brought a tank yet. I'm going to get to all that. I'm talking about the important <laughs> bits. 80 seconds all the way. That's the one. It's like, da, 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 da. It basically sounds like a, a fucking happy hardcore song, but with synths and metal. It's so funny. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and yeah, in terms of the stage set, they really went all out. Um, the the kind of uh, vibe of it very much reminded me of Iron Maiden on the Amount of Life and Death tour. It was like set up like the front lines of war. So it had like mm -hmm. barracks and it had sandbags and barbed wire everywhere. There was a tank on stage. Um, the microphones had army helmets on. Uh, they had Hang a big on. screen in the back. The microphones had helmets on. Had like army helmets like hanging off them. Not like right. on top of it. <laughs> like <laughs> the little people. Um, they had a big screen in the background that's projecting like explosive visuals and all this kind of stuff. They had pyro they had a lot of pyro that was obviously made to look like bombs so it'd be like bam, 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 you know that like metallica doing one like all that mm -hmm. kind of thing um fire as well so that was cool um they had the great war written out in kind of like uh like almost like scrapyardy kind of lettering in the background so that was quite cool there's lots of nice little touches on it um and yeah, so it looked great. It looked like a headline set. It looked like one of the, the better shows that Bloodstock's had. Yeah. I'm not totally convinced that it felt like a big enough event, if you know what I mean. Like to me, whether you like or don't like a band, if they're headlining a festival for the first time, it should feel like there's like some electricity in the air. There should be people thinking, what's going to happen here? Are they going to pull this off? 
and there should be a real buzz. Mm. And I didn't feel that personally. I didn't feel like there were all these people like really fucking psyched up for Sabaton to come on. Um, but what there was, was a load of people who had a really good time and there was just shit eating grins everywhere. Mm. And it clearly went down really well. So I definitely think they pulled it off. Um, and like I say, I think it's a big deal that they're getting to to headline events like these. And I don't think we should take it for granted. So fair play to them. <sighs> I'm tired now. Come on, Merlin, you can do it. Day one. Tell down. me about some bands you saw on the Saturday, Alice. Um, I saw Swallow the Sun. Oh, yeah. What did you think of them? I saw a bit of that. Yeah, they were great, but the winds were really, 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 really violent. Yeah. And the sound, like there was a really long sound check. I think they went on late. They did, didn't they? It yeah. took a while to come on. And um, I think they probably could have done with <laughs> just like another two minutes because... Oh, no. I Hold the mic away, Al. Breathe through your nose. <coughs> Breathe through your nose. Uh, Breathe through your nose, Al. <laughs> I was dying. Checking on water and you love water. (laughs) 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 You're right. Breathe through your nose. That's a good trick, everyone. If you ever accidentally swallow water the wrong way and you start coughing, breathe through your nose as soon as you can and it will stop it. See, look, I'll stop coughing. Don't do it. Anyway, yeah, carry on. (laughs) So they came on late. It's and they the probably first time someone ever just keels over on, <laughs> on there on the Metal Hammer podcast. They probably could have done with another five minutes just checking the mics because it was really, really quiet at first. You couldn't hear the vocals. Um, and then eventually you could hear the vocals, which was cool. <laughs> and then it seemed like it was really it was really short because obviously they'd gone on late. I think yeah. they still had to come off like on time. Um, which sucked because yeah, like things didn't really go to plan that day anyway. So um yeah, it was it was like it was cut too short, I think, but it was really good. Like they 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 put in like a lot. Like you could tell that like it wasn't them, it was like the stage setup, the wind, the the fact that like their sort of music, you kind of need somewhere that's a little bit more enclosed, especially when it's that windy. Um, I think they would have been better off on the Sophie stage, personally. Yeah, I I'd agree. Um, uh, we were talked about last week how beautiful that album is. It's one of, I think, all of our metal albums of the year so far. Um, I forgot what it's called. Shine a light into the dark or something. Um, What's it called? Oh no! Shadow. Force a shadow yeah. into the light. Shadow comes in. Forced into. It's forced, forced into, into the light. light yeah. There you go. Got that in the end. <laughs> um, but I just think it's a sh- because a big enough and better enough fans that they deserve a slot on a main stage. But yeah. I don't think it works to put a melodic doom metal band on outdoors at one o'clock at the best of times. Yeah. Let alone when it's windy as shit. I should say that before um, they came on. Um, well, first of all, I saw a little bit of uh, Chris Chrisia. Chris mm-hmm. Thea, Chris Thea yeah. um, who opened up the Ronnie James Dio stage. They were cool, like very kind of standard, um, heavy groove infused metal, mm-hmm. but they seem to have a really good following. So they're obviously like a band that um, a lot of people that go to Bloodstock are very fond of. After that, I have to say, in a way, maybe my highlight of the whole weekend was Cancer Bats because I totally forgot they were even playing until we were sat here doing the preview last week and I just saw them on the lineup again. I was like, oh my God, Cancer Bats are playing. And they came on at, uh, I think, just after 12 o'clock maybe. Um, and they looked tired. Apparently they'd just flown over and 
Uh, Liam made a couple of jokes about he's only had two coffees and he still feels like shit and all that kind of stuff. But I haven't seen Cancer Bats in, let's just say, too long. At least three years or something, I reckon. And it really reminded me what a fucking brilliant band they are. Because ev- I mean, the set list was just so good. What they did, they play? They did Rats, Hell Destroyer, Bricks and Mortar. Um, they did um, the covers of Sabaton. Uh, Sabaton. Uh, sabotage uh, and War Pigs, which is really cool. Nice touch. They obviously knew what their audience with that War Pigs one because people were really up for that. Um, and they were just they were just so good. The song sounded great. Liam's voice sounded a little bit tired a couple of times, which I think is because it was quite early and they'd flown over and all the rest of it. But um, in terms of just like riff heavy hardcore, they are just the best band to have done it this side of 2000. And it really made me just like, every time they dropped a song, I was like, oh, Ah, ah, I had such a good time. They were, they, what a band. Also, I remember with the Warpigs thing, obviously they do Bat Sabbath. So they yeah, do exactly. the Bat Sabbath covers band. So yeah. people hopefully would like them, even if they're like, oh, it's not metal. People must appreciate that they're yeah. a heavy band who like metal. I hope so, because, yeah, they really know their shit. And they're just so good. And it's so kind of positive and just happy. And it was just, it was just fucking great. It was, like, I had such a good time. Um, I really oh, I was going to talk about Lotus Eater but I didn't actually hear I didn't see them but I, I heard them when I was walking uh, on to do an interview and um, they sounded mental and apparently they were like one of the most leery bands of the whole weekend in the Sophie tent so I definitely want to try and catch them again um, oh, did you see Evil Scarecrow? No. Oh, I don't I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what is your problem? Right, okay. So here are the facts. Evil Scarecrow drew what was definitely one of, the, if not the biggest crowd of the whole weekend. I think they probably drew a slightly bigger crowd than Parkway Drive did, if I'm being honest. Um, people were absolutely loving it. People were singing along. There was clearly black metal fans there that were properly caught painted up and in a indecipherable t-shirt there were little kids there on shoulders loving it it was a really good vibe and it had a really fun um thing around it and they smashed it and they basically become bloodstock's house band and they are one of the most beloved bands in the metal scene right Tell now us about the theatrics because i saw some stuff on and the theatrics were you know for a completely independent band who uh, just kind of done everything off their own back they were actually quite impressive in it, in it. they were kind of like knowingly naff you know like how devin stuff is what? it's naff but it looks like it's taken a lot of work to or alice cooper. make naff or alice i think alice cooper's a bit more high <laughs> high rate than evil scarecrow mate i haven't seen the stuff apart from on instagram but you know it was cool. They yeah, they had the castle um, that like the robots came out of and did a little dance to. They had ghosts. They had Crabulon. Is it? I know. Crabulon like came out and did that. It's like Lordy. It is like Lordy. Lordy yeah. Lordy do this, for every single song they have a stunt. Yeah, exactly. And people were loving it. People were really into it. So I think it's totally fair enough. People love them, but fuck me, they're naff. <laughs> Aren't not they? everything has to be cool, Merlin. No, it doesn't. And it's not an insult. And as I said in my review on the site, I strongly suspect that they know full well that they're naff and they don't give a fuck because they're making people happy and people are loving it. So fair play to them. I like being It is happy. naff though. Like it is fully naff. Like I don't, I don't think their songs are very good is my honest opinion of it. I don't think the songs match up to, compared to a band like The Darkness or Steel Panther or bands that are, are naff as shit. But, they they have written some genuinely brilliant songs in their time. I don't think you could put Evil Scarecrow into that bracket, personally. But I like them more than Necrogoblicon, so 
Fair play to them for that. <laughs> yeah, you've just got a weird thing against them, though, for I can't, no reason. I can't hack novelty bands that don't have the songs to back it up. Fine. When Baby Metal put out Karate, I was like, that's fine. They've done it. Like, they can write a fucking badass metal you song. You just don't like They're fun. fine after that. That's what it is. We all know. I would like fun, but I don't like, like, Butlin's fun. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, I, don't think, I don't think you got Evil Scarecrow but Butlin's. But what I'm saying right now, I've, I wouldn't go. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think, I mean, what I'm basically saying is I would never listen to Evil Scarecrow, but... Um, they are. They probably were the most fun band of the whole festival. So, fair. That's a fair review, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's fair. Come on. Um, you did. Did you haven't either of you haven't seen any of Dyer's Murder? No. I saw a tiny, tiny bit. What did you think? Um, I heard it was quite a good laugh. Yeah, I mean, if you're into that stuff, then it was great. Deathcore. <laughs> were you there for that? I saw that video online where CJ had this tiny leopard print shirt on. He had he that like, on for the whole time. But he unbuttoned it at a certain point and like opened his arms wide. He for did a Michael effect. Jackson Earth song. Oh, uh, because yeah. he, he already had it like halfway open, I think. Well, I saw the well, video. He popped it all the way open. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, um, I missed that because I'd had enough after a couple of songs. Oh, really? It looked quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. But um, I was like, yeah, I get it now. It's cool. Yeah, get it. I'm going to leave now Alice what did you like on Saturday Swallow the Sun and and Talker and the Master's Call oh yeah we'll get to that oh wait when was the Master's Call (laughs) when was the Master's Call that was it on the new it was on the new blood I liked it okay well me and Alice watched a couple of bands they're like Quetain but oh yeah because you okay so let's do this in some kind of order people um, I saw a little bit of Red Method <laughs> as well. Um, they, oh, I missed them. They I were, kind of wanted to see that. They were good fun. So this is a band that, uh, well, I associate with them, The Defiles, because um, the AVD for, who plays keyboards is from The Defiles and he's in the band. But uh, basically like kind of like heavy, industrial-tinged, groove-heavy metal. Um, and they look cool. They're dressed in like matching red suits and they've all got like black paint smeared all over them and they like jump around and do stuff. Um, they make a really fucking cool racket and they look cool and it sounds big. I don't think they've got the songs like, for instance, The Defiled did yet, but um, it's very impactful live and people loved it. I've got to say, I don't know if I'm sounding just moany now, but I don't need to see bands bringing on um, goth girls dressed as like angels and dancing seductively and flopping about the stage. It, it, <laughs> like, it didn't. I get, I get it. It's all just. I know it's supposed to be a bit of fun, but I think Red Method could be one of those bands that are actually like badass and like a bit edgy and like I don't want to say cool, but like exciting. Yeah. I don't want them to have to default to feeling like they have to do the kind of ah, uh-huh, this is fun and it's stupid a bit 90s, and that. Uh, yeah, it's really nineties slash early two thousands. Um, so I don't want to leave anyone unemployed, but um, get better dancers or don't. <laughs> get people that can actually dance or mm-hmm. yeah, don't do that stuff in my opinion in my opinion um, although they, they did come back on afterwards and do a bit of a better more instinct cool looking routine so maybe I'm just being grumpy um, Helheim that was cool we watched that that was that. really really good Tell, uh, I love you, them you, you, I only watched them because you picked them out last week so really were, were you happy Aww. with them yeah they were so good I love them um they they like started with their like new album stuff which is a bit more atmospheric and like kind of like 
Because they're a black metal band, but their newer stuff is more like that sort of atmospheric-y, like post-black metal-y stuff. And then they like went into their older school, like black metal, and they got hoist from Talker out on stage and he did I didn't realise it was him when he came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Not in corpse paint. <laughs> like a like goth Mr. Freeze. <laughs> yeah, like with glasses on instead of corpse paint because like you can't be seen. No. <laughs> yeah. Don't ruin the Something illusion. Like that. Mm. Um yeah, so it was it was really, really good. They're always really good to watch live anyway. So it was I just it was cool. really good to like end with the black metal stuff as well, like building up to it. Um yeah. It was cool. I thought that was decent. Um then some pandemonium happened. Well, Wild Hearts played the main stage, they they went down very well. I saw literally like 30 seconds of it though. Um then the winds just ruined everything for everyone, um, which meant that Cradle of Filth had to pull their set and rearrange it to the Sunday. It meant that Skeletal Remains actually couldn't make the festival at all. Um, oh, yeah. Anthrax's set got delayed as well. And I think while this was all going on, you were watching, was this when you were watching Master's Call? Yeah, we watched another band. Yeah, well. we couldn't, um, Cradle of Filth got delayed so then we just went and saw yeah we saw the um pantera um <laughs> i'm just looking them up now we saw lock horns <laughs> on the new blood stage so lock horns were yeah they're quite pantera yeah they had a riff that sounded like walk and a couple of and a bits. cemetery gates one oh, yeah yeah <laughs> oh really it's derivative they were a lot yeah. of fun though like they you know, got their heads down and played, and I enjoyed them. Yeah, it was. But it was. Yeah. Yeah, it but it enjoyable. was just kind of. It sounded pantera-y more than it sounded like they had songs. Like I, could, it was hard to sort of distinguish one song from the next. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Just kind of a sound more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but it sounded cool. Like, yeah. What about yeah, Masters Call? Tell me about them. That was interesting. Like Alice said, yeah. it was Watain. That was weird. We had a battery yeah. malfunction then. Uh, we're back though. We were talking about uh, we were talking about Master's Call. Sorry, <laughs> what you didn't just hear was that me panicking as the batteries ran out, and then I ran upstairs <laughs> and replaced them. But it's all seamless because it's show business. <laughs> so let's take it from the top with the uh, Master's Call, shall we? Yes. So they're like a black and death metal band, but they were more kind of blacky to see them live, I suppose. They had like, I don't know, like on record because I've listened to them on Spotify or whatever. Yeah. Um, there are other streaming services available. <laughs> Including Deezer. <laughs> um, and they're kind of like black and death is what I got from it. But live, they do this whole like kind of black metal thing. Like they had incense, didn't they? Yeah, it was really strong. We were both like, what is that? Yeah, it's like, kind of like a weird soap or I remember you coming back and talking yeah. about the incense. very confusing. <laughs> Um, they were local as well, weren't they? I think from Wolverhampton. Yeah. So a local band, but they sort of seem more mysterious than that. And they seem like they'd be Scandinavian, even though they weren't. Yeah. The singer had like a hood over his head. The other guys in the band had like spiky 80s style wrist cuffs. Yeah. Proper black metal styled. And definitely, definitely like their logo was quite Wataini. It was. The singer was quite Wataini. Like, and and the, the name, I think, um, Eric from Wataini or... Or the, all of Watain. I think they've got like a record label or something called Must, Masters something. Not sure. So I feel like it's like a bit of a tribute to Watain. Interesting. I wonder what they mm. think about that. Yeah. The lead singer also had some kind of bone slash horn around his neck, but it looked weirdly like a dildo. 
Oh my God, yes. <laughs> the dildo on his neck. Yeah. Yes, we were all like, I was convinced it was a dildo. It looks really like a dildo. Like was... a satanic dildo. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. It I'm not judging subversive and it you've just be. been immature about it. <laughs> I'm not being immature. I'm just saying what I saw on stage. <laughs> wow. Master's <laughs> dildo. Whatever he likes. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see... You did see Talker, didn't you? Yes. How I was did. he? They? It was good. It was really, really good. It was absolutely packed because obviously it was the last band on for Saturday. Yeah, this is later on that night. Yeah, on the Sophie stage. Um, yeah, everyone loved it. Oh, no, there were like a few girls on people's shoulders. Apparently, I didn't see them. Jonathan saw them flashing. Wow. I, I was like, mate, this isn't the 80s and this isn't Motley Crue. Like, it's a fucking black metal gig. Wow. That's quite strange. <laughs> Do they have sort of a magnetic sexual presence? Yeah, I was going to say, black metal has its... Uh, not that I'm trying to say, like, yeah, girls got a tits out of black metal, but... Black metal has that kind of sexualized, sexual energy yeah, thing like, to it sometimes, doesn't it? That was weird. Like, I, you know, it's not very, it's not very cult, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't film me. Tits are not cult. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not very cult at all. <laughs> well then, was not expecting that. Yeah, it was very strange. I didn't see it, thank God, because I probably would have been raging about the whole idea. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's just, like this. Haven't we like moved past this? Uh, Those girls anyway. getting their boobs out in anthrax as well, actually. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, which I didn't Maybe it was mention. the same girls just going around. I've like, done this in a weird order Completely now. drunk. Like, <laughs> this is a great idea. Um, but yeah, it was, other than that, I didn't see that. So I had a whale of a time um, dancing to black metal. Awesome. Nice. Lovely. Um, <laughs> and yeah, sorry, sorry, that's an a, a easy segue straight into Anthrax as well, who eventually did come on on the um, Sophie stage. They played a slightly reduced set, but didn't really feel like one. Um, I feel like every time I see Anthrax, I just watch them and I think, Anthrax are fucking cool, and this band are great, and I'm having a great time watching them, and it was wicked. I'm and really that's sad what it was. that I missed them, because they played some of my favourite Anthrax songs. So they, I was sad. They did. Well, they played all the classics for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was good. Uh, yeah, the set played Court in a Marsh and Antisocial and Indian and all that. It was very decent. Um, and yeah, they were girls getting their boobs out for Anthrax as well. And Scotty just goes, Come on, guys, we're not Steel Panther. I <laughs> 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 wasn't having any of it. It's a good comeback. Um, so yeah, lots of boobs at Bloodstock. Um, but yeah, Anthrax are really good. And that's all I can say about Parkway them, really. I don't want to be drive. disparaging about them, but they're just, Anthrax are always fucking Parkway great, I think. Drive. Should we, yeah, should we get onto them Parkway then? Drive. The most hotly debated headliner in the world in 2019, I feel. Parkway Drive. Um, go on then, what did you think of Parkway Drive? I... <laughs> Loved it. You'll just hype it up and then just stall no, on I me. No, I loved it. I was thinking about where to start. Like, yeah. if you've seen Partway Drive recently, you'll know they do a thing where they come through the crowd and there's flaming torches and the flaming torches light the way up to the stage. And they did that, which was really cool because given all the wind and everything, they'd had to take the lighting rig down for a while. It had to take the main screens down for a while. And it sort of looked a bit touch and go as to whether Parkway would be able to come on and whether they'd be able to use their pyro. So they came through the crowd and up onto the stage and it was a cool entrance um, because, you know, it sort of builds tension. You know, something's going to happen. You know, flaming torches look fucking metal any day of the week. But you weren't too stoked on their opening song choice, were you? 
Yeah, so I was... It was a wishing well, right? Wishing well, yeah. yeah. So I, I obviously, I love Parkway. Um, and we've seen them loads of times on the last two albums. And they've turned into... Well, they've always been one of the best metal bands and live bands in the world. But they've really bogged up the show and everything else. Um, I don't feel like they need to justify themselves or anything like that. But if you're playing some, if you're playing a festival like Bloodstock and you're such a controversial booking and you know that there's going to be a few people there with their arms crossed, like waiting to be impressed. I don't know if Wishing Well is the best song to start with because, I mean, to take it from the top, um, I think that the Druid fire thing is awesome, but I do think it came across a little bit spinal tap at Bloodstock purely because through no fault of their own, the screens were down and they were like raised down. So they didn't have any cameras on them, which meant that unless you happened to be right by them, you couldn't really see what was going on. And they were like the other side of the field from where we were. And I could just see all these people going, what the fuck's going on here? Like they could, it didn't really feel like people were going, oh my God, look at this. This is mad and blah, blah, blah. This is like so crazy what's going on. It's just felt people were kind of going like, is there someone with a torch over there? And then they kind of came on stage and they did Wishing Well and it's an absolute crusher of a song but it also starts with the spotlight like on Winston stood alone kind of making these shapes with his hands and kind of being a bit of a conductor and all this kind of stuff which is really cool. It's raw and it's quite emotional and I think it works in of itself but I could imagine if I was like a died in the wall metalhead that wouldn't be the kind of thing that would instantly uh, win me over to Parkway. But again, I'm not saying that they should have to justify themselves so maybe I'm overthinking that one. Um I think that when they kicked into Prey, I think that I really think it the whole vibe of the place picked up instantly. Um, yeah, I love that. that and was brilliant. yeah, from there on in, it was just, I mean, it was just great. Parkway just don't do bad shows. And I think they have absolutely built the stage show to headline festivals with. And I think it was, you know, I've been going to Bloodstock for, uh, this is my ninth, I think. And um, it's definitely one of the most dynamic and varied and cool looking headline sets i've seen you know i really i thought i thought it was great from that point of view yeah they had um orgia their bassist was in a wheelchair they brought him oh yeah i forgot about that bless him yeah which is cool because they got him on stage and kind of explained what had happened and then at a few points in the set he sort of went up different levels on the stage they'd obviously sort of managed to kind of move him into different positions and so it felt like he was still part of the show it didn't feel like he was just stuck away in a corner somewhere it felt like they'd actually involved him in the, the setup which was really nice and Winston I thought was amazing I thought he really carried it because having a band member who then doesn't move around the stage so much and the other guitarists in Party Drive are cool and do their thing but they're not like I don't know some bands you see like Gajira where the guitarists just kind of like really really like go all around the stage and go all out and stuff whereas i'd say the guitarists in part way a bit more like reserved in what they do but winston was really carrying everything like he was like really on form like talking to the crowd talking about what they were doing like all of his kind of movements on stage um everything like i just thought he did a really good job at holding everything together and being the linchpin obviously mm -hmm. as he should be but like really really good job and there's obviously the bit that everyone will remember where he was started doing an inspirational speech about how everyone should kind of come together through their love of music. And then in the middle of it, he started talking about like, you know, if you're in the crowd, if you're in the mac and cheese stand at the back of the arena. That was great, And then it? all the crowd started like chanting mac and cheese. They did a little thing on the drum kit and did like a whole massive chant of mac and cheese. And 
um, he was just like, yeah, I was going to do the speech, but I'm not going to bother now. Yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> I actually think that's where the set took off even more because it felt like it just kind of didn't break the ice, but it, it really... Uh, it's a nice connection. Broke down that thing of just like, we're all here having a laugh together and we're at a festival. You know what I mean? And it, and it made it feel more personal and just fun. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought the, the, the atmosphere was really cool. I didn't, uh, despite what I just said about, you know, that how they started the gig and stuff i never got the impression that it was a remotely hostile crowd like everyone seemed to be enjoying it and um you know you could certainly tell that there was a big parkway drive contingent in the crowd because there were people going mental for songs and crowd surfing all over the place and singing along to all the big bits um i did think it was too quiet I which isn't really the first time I've said that about Bloodstock. Because I've had problems at Bloodstock before with the sound being too loud. And I was actually a little bit nervous about going because last time I went there, I did struggle a bit. And I was a bit like, oh, you know, is it, am I going to have a problem with it? So from my point of view, I thought that was quite good. Well, I'm not saying it was, uh, you know, obviously I don't want it to be like dangerously loud or anything <laughs> like that. But it, it was it was pretty quiet. It was definitely like, like it, it, at no point did you feel like you were getting like, blown away by this massive sonic experience because i remember in particular one bit uh, 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 it's never a good sign when you can hear everyone talking around you while the song's playing and i could hear people talking right next to me and i remember at one point a video started playing on your phone or a song or an alarm or something instagram (laughs) (laughs) great um and i could hear that yeah while parkway drive were playing a song and i think i don't want to you know have my eardrums popped but it did make me i do wonder if I and maybe people around us would have felt more involved in the whole thing if it was that bit louder. Because otherwise, it felt like it felt at points to me like I was watching this performance. You felt removed, is what you were saying. I felt removed from it. Yeah, I exactly. Also, I also felt a little bit removed because I was really hyped up for it. I got an ice cream beforehand. I came to Bloodstock especially to see them, like because I wasn't going to come because of family commitments. But I was like, I really want to see Partway headline. Loved the show. I was really hyped up, and I did feel, you know hyped up during it but it did feel like not quite as easy to connect to as their own show and for me I just thought that was because it's not just their audience there were obviously people that were there for Parkway Drive who were really hyped up but there were also people kind of around where we were and a little bit further back who maybe didn't know them and it just it does feel different watching a band with a crowd who don't know the band so well it doesn't feel as exciting because you know that not everyone is there for the same thing so i felt a bit more distant than i did at their own shows but i kind of put that down to being outside being around other people that might not be into it etc but i yeah i thought winston's energy was yeah winston was amazing and i I couldn't see how anybody couldn't have been bowled over by him like if you'd never seen parkway drive before i couldn't see anyone who watched that and thought what prick do you know what i mean like the string section back as well yeah that was cool that was cool that was cool i'm still not sure about the pacing of this parkway set sometimes i feel like it um ebbs and flows a bit too irregularly like it doesn't in the loud moments yeah, yeah it doesn't um like i think it looks awesome but again i don't know if i don't know if it ever builds up quite enough steam or it didn't at bloodstock for me i felt like every time it starts to be like right now we're on it'll be like and now we're in a slow emotional bit and it and it just it just now i don't know 
I'm not quite sure. If, they don't have, if you don't have a captive audience, I'm not convinced that's the best way to structure your set. But I also appreciate that you can't change your set up for every single gig you play. And also that you production. probably like need a bit of a rest and stuff like that. Yeah, but totally, totally. Like, and as I said, it was really good in, in of itself. I'm just not sure it was the best. Like, I know you don't love Disturbed, but I remember seeing Disturbed earlier this, <laughs> early this year. And they basically just had a section that was all the quiet stuff. And it was like four songs about two thirds of the way through. And up to then it was bangers. And after that it was bangers. And I kind of think like that's quite a smart way to do it in a sense that you sort of have a moment where you're like, this is the quiet bit. And you kind of like build up and then you have that little bit and then you kind of come out swinging. So I don't know, there's different ways of doing it on that. You can kind of put all your quiet eggs in one basket or spread your quiet eggs through a basket of other loud eggs. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going with what this. I'm ill. Analogy is this. I'm ill, so I don't know. But yeah, I love like some of those songs were amazing, like Absolute Power. That was yeah, that sounded amazing. massive. Um, uh, obviously, Vice Grip sounds great. Prey sounds massive. Bottom yeah. Feeder sounded massive. Karma sounded savage as well. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, but overall, I mean, a success and. There was at no point was there anything in it that made me think it wasn't a great booking at that they don't belong at a festival. Also, like can we just mention before we finish Bottom Feeder, the pyro that they had for that? That was big, that was wasn't rivaling it? Ramstein's pyro. Like obviously seeing Ramstein a couple of months back, and they have the fire that comes out the top of the very top of the stage, like out where the screens mm. are meant to be. So like the very top of it, you just have this blast of fire that comes out and like burns your face. And they've obviously did that whole thing again where they set the whole stage on fire. So the yeah, flames coming awesome. out like the, the bottom of the stage, like all around the stage. So the whole stage is literally on fire. And you're like, fuck, like that is such an amazing thing to watch. And when you've got that followed by these massive balls of fire, like they had really, really gone all out for that. Like, again, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Bloodstock headliner do anything like that to finish a show Not like maybe the level, odd flame no. jet and the odd firework but to actually set the whole stage on fire and have the extra fire in those kinds of weather conditions as well yeah and with the quality of those songs that's amazing definitely and and you know there's been a lot of showy bands at bloodstock over the years like i've seen like king diamond had a really fun and, and showy set i know trivium brought a lot of stuff with them when they headlined um, Amon and Marth obviously have a big show now. Ghost have a big show. Sabaton had a big show. But Parkway really, like, when you watch Parkway show, you just feel like you see stuff that you haven't seen before or that you don't see all the time. You know, it's not just about that burst of pyro. It's that little extra thing where you just go, fuck, that's really, they've really thought about this in a way mm. that's just totally different. Um, so, yeah, overall, I thought it was great. And I'm really happy for them. And I hope that it shows a statement of intent that maybe they could do download one day. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't it? I was hey. really glad I went along to see that. It was worth it. Totes. Um, we weren't on so- Sunday. Alice, did you catch any bands on Sunday? No. Oh, oh no, <coughs> nobody. Is that because you're hungover? I went. was just in the press tent. Working away. Working um, hard. Mm-hmm. I heard good things about numerous bands. And you can, uh, we weren't on site, but you can read um, a very detailed Sunday review and an extensive review of Scorpion's headline set over at the website right now. Uh, but that was our kind of, I guess, two thirds bloodstock review. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, best band of the weekend for you two. Highway Drive, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Alice, I don't know. Maybe Talker actually, because Swallow the Sun usually would be, but obviously the sound and everything. Yeah. It was still great, but yeah, the Fair. wind ruined it a little bit. So Talker for you. Um, I kind of feel like. 
I have to say Parkway because it's just was badass. But I I definitely want an honourable shout out to Cantabats as well because I had such a good time watching them. Until next year. And they've already announced more bands we should have said earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, including Skin Dread and Dark Tranquility and I think Violence yeah. is one of them. Is that right? Yeah. Black Dahlia Murder. Black Dahlia Murder. So they've already come out the Sacred gates. Reich. Sprinting. Yeah, Sacred Reich. So some really cool uh, bands announced for next year as well. So Bloodstock ain't stopping for nobody. We will see who is uh, the next round of headliners mm. at some point later this year. Woo! Someone do a reader question for me. Facebook.com forward slash Melthammer Readers, by the way, if you want to ask. Tom Byne asks, Tom Byrne? Sorry, Tom. Asks, what song was number one on the day you were born? Being born during the summer of 91 means only one thing. Brian Adams's Everything I Do, I Do It For You was top of the charts. Oh, I remember I, that. What I remember moment. that being out, so I feel old now. <laughs> I remember that being out as well. <clears throat> That's okay. I though. like this trivia question. I just looked mine up. My, I reckon I might have the most rock and roll one. Go on. Europe, Final Countdown. That's pretty good, yeah. Ooh. Come on. Mine was Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Two Tribes. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Alice, did you look yours up? Mine's Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you? Yeah. Fucking oh. banger. Oh, that's definitely my favourite song of the three. Definitely. Yeah. Shout it's out because Prince. nothing compares to me. Oh. <laughs> okay, Alice. <laughs> Alex Pike asks, any of the Metal Hammer office going to Arc Tangent Festival this weekend? That, that is coming no. up. The festivals <laughs> don't stop. Cult of Luna, Meshuggah, Conjurer, Employed to Serve, amongst many, many others on the bill this year. It's a great bill. Um, Carpenter Brute on it. Zinanada on it. Uh, us here in the office aren't going. Uh, but I know the Melhammer writer, Stephen Hill, is going to be there. Um, so if you see him, go and give him a hug from us. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to say, like, give him a slap. No. Come on. <laughs> That's mean. Um, and, uh, yeah, then you can read our review of Arctangent, along with an extensive, extensive review of Bloodstock in... Uh, obviously not the issue we announced earlier, but the issue that's out in September. They'll have both those in, so... There you go. Hugs for Steve. Alice can handle this next one because I believe mm-hmm. you are all over this shit. Yeah. In it. Yeah. Uh, Midgar's Blot kicks off this weekend. That lineup is worth a mention or two. <laughs> Says. Sound any less excited? I know. Thanks for hyping that up, bro. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell, mate. Midgar's Come on. Blot. Like. I've heard so many amazing things about Midgard's Blot. It's a Viking festival. It's a Viking hall. There's Viking reenactments. There's Viking food. There's Vikings. There's Vikings. There is so many Vikings. I'm so All excited. All you've been talking I'm about going. for weeks is Midgard's Blot. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I had to say the question. The okay. like, statement. So I'm going to reread it. Midgard's Blot kicks off this week. That line out's worth a mention or two. Says, oh my God. Yeah, I'm, I can't. I'm, I'm, sorry for butchering your name. Uh, Kiel Eva Ali, I think. What that looks, for? Yeah. But yeah, big All lineup. Of it. Who's playing? All of it. Who's playing? Enslaved. Oh. Um, Lang, um, um Oh god. Who else? Goal. Goal's oh world. Um Yeah, just so many. So many. It's gonna be so good. I think you should review it on the Metal Armor podcast next week. Yes, I will. And I also be writing something for the website. Ooh, mm. it's all going because on the I'm website. Go, it's I'm gonna like 
absorb myself in Vikingness. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the opening ritual, and apparently tomorrow night is an opening ritual. It's a ritual. Yeah. What do they do? Um, Are they gonna sacrifice you? They no. They have blood sure? though, and you can like. You, it's a proper Viking ritual, and it's gonna be a full moon tomorrow. So Whoa. I'm like so excited. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm big, so excited. I'm big. so excited. Where does the blood come from? Um, animals, I guess. Yeah. Ooh, that's not sinister and vague. Um, <laughs> Scott Satonpaul asks, what kind of books do you read and would you recommend any? That's a nice books, question. Reading anything at the moment or greatest books ever? I um, hardly ever read books anymore. I'm trying Why? to read. I'm trying to read for the past year <laughs> or whenever it came out. This book called uh, The Lady from the Black Lagoon. Ooh. Um, it's a horror movie. Yeah, no, it's about this woman who um, created the creature from the Black Lagoon monster. And she was like oh, one cool. of the only women, like she's the only woman that like designed a um, universal monster. That's awesome. That's very cool. I want to yeah. read this. It's, so it's like factual. Um, but yeah, I've, I just, I always just end up not reading. I just have the book there and then I just don't read it. I'm just really bad at reading these days. Commute's a four, mate. Get on that commute vibe. What are you reading, Elle? I know. I am trying to read Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's Good Omens. Oh, that's a great book. Because... Love that book. I went to see Neil Gaiman do a talk about the TV show um, and it was really interesting. And I meant to read the book before the talk because my friend had got us these tickets. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'll, I'll definitely read the book. And then I didn't have time to read the book. So I had to read the Wikipedia page about the books. The talk made sense. Right. So I sort of did it the wrong way around. But now the talk was really good. And I'm reading the book and then I'm going to watch the TV show. Are you into so much Pratchett stuff? Not Pratchett, actually. Um, His stuff is I'm like... I'm into Gaiman. So oh, okay. I got put off Terry Pratchett because I read The Carpet People but I've heard that was basically his first book and not his best book The Carpet People which was like an early one before he did um, The World that he's into now with Discworld the, um, yeah Discworld yeah so um, that's interesting but no I mean like I read all the tributes when he passed away and I know that he was really loved by I was so guided so man like he's the, to me the Discworld is the best fantasy series mm. ever it's so funny and it's so warm but it's all like he I think what people don't get with Pratchett is that he also knows how to write like exciting action set yeah. pieces as well like when stuff kicks off in his books, you actually get like a little adrenaline rush of, oh, shit's going down. Like, mm. you know, he really builds this kind of exciting, uh, vibrant world together. And I love books that world build. So I'm a big fan of that. Well, I just love Neil Gaiman. Like, yeah, he's amazing as well, of course. Sandman and, you know. Amazing. Mm. Like, so um, it's really, I'm really enjoying Good Omens anyway. It's funny and it's just got, that, cool. like you said, it's got that warm humor in it. And you know that nothing like really horrible is going to happen. So it's quite comforting <laughs> as well yeah. in these dark times in which we live. Absolutely. Any any other particular recommendations? Uh, my favorite book is Gorman Gas by Mervyn Peake. Oh, just amazing. I haven't read that. Love it. What's that? Um, it's like, there's a trilogy and it's set in this kingdom where everything has been the same for years and years and years. And they have all these rituals they have to follow and it's really boring and it's repetitive. But then they have this whole family who are really weird and kooky and hierarchical and all have these sorts of grotesque characters. And then there's this kitchen boy called Steerpike and he comes in to disrupt the order and hmm. switch things up. And he's like the cat amongst the pigeons and shit goes down. 
Wow. And it's just, yeah, it's really nicely written. And it's just, it's one of those books that kind of speaks to the way things are in the modern day, but is also obviously like a fantasy book as well. But yeah, cool. read that. It's good. Maybe I will. Yeah. Um, I finished this year. Uh, in fact, most of my, uh, I'd say most of my year for reading has been taken up by Making My Way Through the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, which I finally thought I should just give a go because I do like a bit of fantasy. Um, if you are thinking of getting into it, it gets fucking laborious at times. So be prepared for that. The fourth <laughs> book, Wizard and Glass, is amazing. And I'd say there's some really good stuff in the third book and some really good stuff dotted about the rest of them. But it's hard work <laughs> in the series. Um, so I decided to get into something completely different um, off the back of spending months and months in fantasy. Um, and so I'm currently reading a book called What is the What? Which is a novel by David Eggers. Um, and it's kind of a, I think, a semi-autobiographical, and by that I mean mostly true, but occasionally a tiny bit embellished or, um, you know, slightly might not have been exactly what happens, but it's basically what happens. Um, it's autobiograph- semi-autobiographical account of the life of um, a guy called Valentino Acek Deng, um, who he was a Sudanese child, well, Sudanese man. He was uh, a child um, kind of displaced by the civil war in Sudan. Uh, in the 80s um, and it's really interesting and it it uh, like I didn't know a lot about that other than I knew there was a civil war in Sudan for years and it's really interesting because it just uh, teaches you a lot about what was going on there makes you understand all that a bit more and it's just a really fascinating read about this guy who's just had an unbelievable life so that's quite cool um, that's called what is what is the what not the best title ever but the book's good um and I don't know what my favorite book ever is. I love the, I love, love the Terry Pratchett stuff. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. I love the A Song of Ice and Fire books. Um, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed for the last few years. It's a book called The Bone Clocks by someone called David Mitchell. Not that David Mitchell. Uh, he, I really like books that world build. And when you're reading it, you feel like you're reading something that's part of a wider world than what's just encased in this book. And all his books are very subtly connected while not being sequels to each other and they're all kind of fantastical and a bit weird and they're nuts um he wrote he wrote cloud atlas which got turned into a film a few years ago um and that's all subtly linked as well cloud atlas the book's really good but i'd really recommend bone clocks if someone wants some like wild fantasy stuff because the first like 80 pages there is nothing to suggest there's anything fantastical going on and i can't see what's on your phone that you're trying to show me because it's too (laughs) far away what's that i was showing you my kindle books and there's cloud atlas and it says new across it but i actually downloaded it like three years ago oh, right. never read it. <laughs> it is good it is good but uh yeah bone i really recommend if someone wants um a kind of more based in reality but still really entertaining read what is the what is great if you want something fantastical and absolutely mad but really really brilliantly written in my opinion check out the bone clocks by david mitchell so there you go there you go oh should we do a couple more Go on, him. Yeah, I'll do one. Yeah. Matt Allen asks, what is the most metal alcoholic drink, pub or town in the UK? What? Well, that's a lot. So metal Any drink. for towns? Metal pub, metal town. Yeah, Manchester. I was going to say Manchester. Yes. It's a good metal town. Yeah. Satan's Hollow is probably the most metal place in the UK, I reckon. Like if you go there, It's literally got down... a big devil in it, so. If you go there, you'll walk down the street and you'll see a ton of people dressed in metal clothes. We had Aflex Palace growing up, which was like a place where you go and buy like loads of metal clothes and get pierced and get your hair dyed and hang out 
And yep. we used to have Rock World when I was growing up, which sadly is now a Tesco. But oh, there's Satan's Hollow. That's crushing. I know. <laughs> there's Satan's Hollow and there are other rock nights. And yeah, I don't know. I always, maybe it is because I grew up there, but I've always felt it's a very metal place. And it rains a lot. That's pretty metal. It is metal. Yeah, I'd back Manchester. It's just, um, it really caters to the alternative scene, doesn't it? It's got the loads Salisbury, of venues there. Metal pub. The Salisbury, yeah, that's a good one. Um, what else is there? Uh, Big Hands, that's one in Manchester, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. that's more of like it's not like metal metal, but it's like it was a playing music. quite heavy rock it's stuff when I went, but it might have just have been that night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where else is metal? Like basically like decent northern towns just tend to have like <laughs> really good vibrant metal scenes in. Um, I've got a vote for most metal drink. Go on. Bloodshot from Garlic and Shots. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's quite specific because you have to get it from Garling and Shots. Well, you can make Which it Which, if you don't know, it's a London metal pub. It's, yeah, it's a London metal pub where the food's really garlicky and they've got a hot... The upstairs is quite nice and kind of kitsch, I guess. And then downstairs, it's like just a pit. <laughs> Actually, I think that's the only ice cream I've had that I didn't like was garlic ice cream. Oh, well, you get what you... You deserve that if you're going to have garlic ice cream. Didn't like it. But yeah, the bloodshot is basically like... Imagine a really intense and like hot, like it burns the back of your throat. Um, Bloody Mary condensed into a shot, super garlicky. It's I amazing, and it's called a blood shot. So I feel like you've got to go with snake bite for most metal alcoholic drinks. It's just what students really? have. Yeah, but it's metal, though, isn't it? It's not. It is. It's not. It is. It's what pissed up rugby teams have at student. They bites. don't drink snake bites. They all drink snake bites at uh, Brunel, mate. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> Southern <laughs> University. Sorry. Webs. Um, uh, what else? Just your classic JD and Coke. Yeah. Lemmy. Mm. Can't be that. We got yeah. sent a fucking badass Slayer yes. edition of uh, Jägermeister this yes. week. So that was pretty metal. So that's cool. Jägermeister is metal. And um, spiced rum. And spiced rum. That's, yeah, that's kind of metal. Yeah. It's more piratey. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like kind of, I don't know, lots of metalheads like spiced rum, right? Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, Satan's Hollow, most metal pub. It's, it's not really a pub, a is club, it? It's a club, yeah. So, most metal pub. I'd say Crowbar, probably, in London. Yeah. I know it's the wanky industry the choice. It's a wanky industry bar. It's not like a pub where you just go to have like... Let's not slag them off. They're good, they're good people. <laughs> I'm not slagging them off. I'm just saying if you live outside London, that means nothing to you. Okay, go on then. Name a better one. Mm. And then the reason I say Crowbar is because it's cramped and it's small and the toilets stink of piss and... The jukebox is amazing, and that to me are the three essential <laughs> things you have to have to have a metal bar. I want to be, I want to be uncomfortable. Mm. I want to be stepping in piss when I go for one, and I want to be able to put on Enforcer on the uh, jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rules. Well, then, yeah, I guess if those are your rules, then it fits the criteria. It's the heart, the beating heart of metal in the West End. Okay, I mean, yeah, and how amazing to have somewhere in the West End that represents metal. I'd say what's a really good metal pop as well. The Carlisle in uh, Hastings is wicked. It's really big. And they've got metal hammer posters on the wall because yeah. they're cool. And um, that's a really good one. Um, yeah, oh, God, there's loads. I can't think of them. Yeah, there's loads. The Hobbit in Southampton, that's a good one. You been there? No. no. It's amazing. Lord of the Rings themed and it's massive and like super metal. I've not been they've to got Southampton. Good there as well. So I haven't been. Maybe that's where you've gone wrong. It is, yeah. One more question. At uh, THTTD official... That's definitely Twitter. Asks, uh, who's more metal, Wolverine or Colossus? I would say they're both different types. Colossus is more like Pantera, just solid and strong and 
like a colossus metallic meaty <laughs> and Wolverine is thrash metal because he's just fast and angry and crazy so there you go next week on the Metal Hammer podcast Alice is going to review Midgard's Blutz and I am going to Prague to see Metallica on Sunday which should be fun Ooh. so I might just review that as well uh, the final leg of Metallica's European tour uh, with Ghost supporting as well and Mikasa so we'll be doing uh, some reviews of both of those next week in the meantime Watch out for each other. Go pick up our badass latest issue featuring Tool, uh, exclusive Tool bonus magazine and all that. You will not get more bang for your buck when it comes to Tool anywhere else. I can promise you that. Um, And we will be here next week. Goodbye, Merlin. Goodbye, Alice. Goodbye. Goodbye to you. And goodbye to everyone. (laughs) 